Well, if you've got a Bible with you today, if you want to turn with me to the book of Job, and we're going to look at Job chapter 19 together today. So Job chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. And this is what it says. Then Job replies, How long will you torment me and crush me with words? Ten times now you have reproached me. Shamelessly you attack me. If it is true that I have gone astray, my error remains my concern alone. If indeed you would exalt yourselves above me and use my humiliation against me, then know that God has wronged me and drawn his net around me. Though I cry violence, I get no response. Though I call for help, there is no justice. He has blocked my way so I cannot pass. He has shrouded my paths in darkness. He has stripped me of my honour and removed the crown from my head. He tears me down on every side till I am gone. He uproots my hope like a tree. His anger burns against me. He counts me among his enemies. His troops advance in force. They build a siege ramp against me and encamp around my tent. He has alienated my family from me. My acquaintances are completely estranged from me. My relatives have gone away. My closest friends have forgotten me. My guests and my female servants could count me a foreigner. They look on me as a stranger. I summon my servant, but he does not answer. Though I beg him with my own mouth, my breath is offensive to my wife. I am loathsome to my own family. Even the little boys scorn me. When I appear, they ridicule me. All my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. I am nothing but skin and bones. I have escaped only by my skin, the skin of my teeth. Have pity on me, my friends. Have pity, for the hand of God has struck me. Why do you pursue me as God does? Will you never get enough of my flesh? Oh, that my words were recorded, that they were written on a scroll, they, that they were inscribed with an iron tool on lead or engraved in rock forever. I know my Redeemer lives and that he, is, that he in the end, will stand on this earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. If you say, how will, you ha- how will we hound him? Since the root of his troubles lies in him, you should fear the sword yourselves. For wrath will bring punishment by the sword, and then you will know that there is judgment. Let's pray together this morning as we open up God's words. Father God, I want to thank you and praise you once again for your words. It's so powerful. There are bits which we read and it make us feel uncomfortable as we read them. 
There are bits which we rejoice over, Lord. There are bits we don't understand. And as we open up this portion of scripture together today, and as we think about this theme of the comeback, Lord, we pray that hope will rise in this place through what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Horatio Spafford knew something about life's unexpected challenges. He was a successful businessman and a real estate investor, and he lost basically everything that he owned in a great fire of 1871 in his home city of Chicago. Around the same time, his beloved four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Thinking a a holiday, a vacation would be good, they decide they're going to book a trip to England. So they book a trip to England, but only for some business to delay Horatio's journey. So he sends his wife and their four kids off on a boat over to England, and he says, you know what, I'll follow you. Once everything's sorted and once everything's done, I will be with you. And that's what happens, except tragedy struck on that boat journey for his wife and four children. The boat collided with something. The boat sunk. Countless lives were lost, including the four lives of his daughters, His wife was saved, and when she reached England, she sent a telegram back saying, Saved alone, what should I do? Horatio immediately set sail for England to be with his wife. And at one point on his journey, the captain of the ship, he knew the area where the tragedy had struck. So he stopped the boat and he summoned Horatio to the the deck. And he said, this is the area where your little girls lost their lives. As he was stood there that day, he was filled with some sort of hope and comfort from God. And he went back to his cabin and he penned the song which says, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have caused me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. As we continue our sermon series together today called The Comeback, we're going to look at someone who in scripture had a very similar story in many respects to Horatio Spafford. A story where everything that he knew, everything he understood, his life was completely and utterly turned upside down because he lost everything in the blink of an eye. But what we're going to see today as we talk about this man, Job, is a story ultimately of hope. Because what it teaches us is that even in the most tragic and hard circumstances that we can face in our lives, there is always a comeback when God is involved. Job, the man that we're talking about together today, was an interesting character. In many respects, we don't really know a lot about his background story. He's quite mysterious. Very little is really known. He is believed to have lived around the time of Abraham, and possibly Job was actually the first book of the Bible which was written. Often, when we talk about Job, the thing which we center on are these struggles that he had, all of these things which went wrong in his life. And in many respects, that is rightly so, because in the blink of his eye, he lost his children, his health, his wealth, and his home. But what I want us to focus on today, and what I want us to see as we look at this man, is his integrity and his character in the midst of the pain that he suffered. Because it's ultimately his character and his hope in God which enabled him to have the strength to get through the most horrendous of times that he could have faced. And I want us to ask the question today, what is the key? What is the key to having such a God-centered character? Because I don't know about you, 
Over these times that we faced together over the last 18 months, there have been times where I have wanted to give up. There have been times where I've said, you know what, this is just not worth it. I can't be doing this anymore. There have been times of real struggle. And quite honestly, not just in this period, but actually in my entire life, I've never, ever suffered anything like Job suffered and faced the things that he faced. So what we can ask the question today is quite simple. What does Job teach us about how we should embrace and face the struggles that we have in such a challenging time? The passage that we've read together this morning is one of Job's responses to his friends. You see, after Job's life was plunged into disarray, Job had some friends who came along to comfort him. And at first, these friends, they do exactly the right thing. They simply sit with him in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his heartache, in the midst of his grief. But then it all goes wrong. Why? Because they choose to open their mouths and they start to give Job advice and tell him why he is facing the situations and circumstances he is facing. In a very small way, I can identify with Job at this point at least. 14 and a half years ago, my mum died very suddenly and very tragically. I was absolutely devastated. And well-meaning Christians at the time would come up to me and they would say what they thought was nice, meaningful things like, don't worry, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. And I wanted to say to these guys, shut up, shut up. Don't come to me and quote scriptures like that at this time. How on earth can these things be for good? You know, sometimes when people are in the midst of pain and in the midst of suffering, the worst thing that we can do is talk to them. And the worst thing that we can do is talk at them. Sometimes in the midst of pain and heartache and suffering, what we're called to do is sit with them and sit in their grief and be that person and be that friend. You don't have to say anything, but just let them know that you are there in the midst of it. But Job's friends, they wanted to tell him what had gone on. They make it clear that they think Job must have done something really, really bad in order for this stuff to come upon him. And what they, he needed to do is he needed to go to God and he did, needed to repent of all of the atrocities that he must have committed in his life. And we pick up this story in Job chapter 19 today. And Job had pretty much at this point reached the end of his tether with his friends. He was like, if I've got friends like you, why on earth do I need enemies? They really, really were beginning to get to Job because he had pretty much reached rock bottom. We see that in his response, don't we? In verse 10, he talks about how it feels like his hope had been pulled up like a tree. In verses 13 to 14 that we read together, he talks about how his friends and his family seem to have forgotten him. He talks about how even his servants think he is a stranger. And in verse 21, he pleads, he pleads with his friends to have pity on him, to stop talking at him, to stop telling him what he's done wrong, but just to have some pity on him. The man was totally and utterly at rock bottom. But it's when he is at rock bottom that suddenly his perspective begins to shift. I wonder how many of us in our lives have had similar experiences to Job in that regard. When we feel like all hope is gone, when we feel like we're at the end of our tether, when it feels like there is nothing left that's worth fighting for, it's there when we begin to stop striving that God meets with us. And we begin to understand that actually he was there all along. So friends, if this is where you're at right now, if this is how you're feeling right now, 
If it feels like all hope has gone and all hope is lost, I want to encourage you once again to tell you today that there is hope. God can and he will turn your situation around if you place your situation and your life in the hands of the master. Today, use your situation and your circumstances as a springboard once again to call out to him. Three things that we learn about Job and his character and the hope that we can have in the midst of his time of turmoil. Number one, Job was able to ultimately stand in the end because he knew that he had a redeemer. Verse 25, he says, I know, I know my redeemer lives. The wreckage which was Job's life at this point would no doubt have caused him to question. And you can read the book for yourself. In many respects, it did cause him to question. What on earth is going on? Where is God in all of this? Why, God, have you allowed this to come upon me? Job was extremely perplexed because despite the accusations of his friends, Job was actually an upright man. There was much that he didn't know But one thing that he did know, that despite all that had come upon him, he knew the Lord. He knew that his Redeemer lived. And as a result, even when it felt like all hope was lost, all hope wasn't lost. There was still a way back. There was still a way around. Today, friends, let me ask you, do you know the Lord for yourself? Because when times are rough, when times are tough, when it feels like you are completely and utterly abandoned and everything feels like it is senseless, he is the only one who can ultimately help you to make sense of your situation. But there's another amazing part to this here. It wasn't a question that Job knew the Lord, though he did. He said, I know my Redeemer lives. What we see from the whole story of Job is that God knew him. If we were to turn to chapter 1 and verse 8, we see the Lord's having this conversation. And he says, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Those who have a relationship with Jesus not only know Jesus, but Jesus knows them. He knows how many hairs you have on your heads. He knows everything about you. We read these words together in Job chapter 10, uh, John chapter 10 and verse 14. Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. You may not know what is going on in your life right now, but there is one who knows you. The one who brought you into being knows everything about you, which brings me to my second point this morning. Point number one, Job knew he had a redeemer. Point number two, he knew that his redeemer lives. He said, I know that my redeemer lives. Job may have lost it all, He may have been mistreated by the very friends who were supposed to turn up and help him and comfort him in the midst of his pain. He may not have had any understanding about what was really going on in his life and indeed where the course of his life was heading. But one thing he knew for certain, his Redeemer lived. His Redeemer wasn't a theoretical concept in a dusty old book. His Redeemer wasn't a man-made idol that sat on a shelf that he would pray to every so often. His Redeemer wasn't someone who had no power to turn the situation that he faced around. Job knew that he served the Lord God Almighty, who was aware of the situation, and he was the very one who had the power to transform the situation he faced. You know, 
I've met many people in my life who have faced real times of suffering. I don't think I've ever met anyone quite like Job who had suffered in the way that Job had. But whatever the situations that you and I face, and however uncertain tomorrow feels, there is one who holds tomorrow in his hands. The Bible describes this one as the God of all comfort. God knows your situation today. He knows your situation and he knows your circumstances. And more than that, he can identify with your situation and with your circumstances. Why? Because Jesus came. The Bible tells us that he faced the things that we face in our lives. He was tempted in every way, and yet he was without fault. He faced rejection. He faced loneliness. He knows what it's like to feel abandoned. He knows what it's like to feel stressed and strained and depressed. He knows what it's like to feel tired. He knows what you're going through, and he can identify with it. Today, church, the challenge is simple. Do you know your Redeemer? Do you know Jesus personally for yourself? Have you placed your life in his hands? If not, the Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. And in a short while, I'd love to help you start maybe a journey for yourself with Jesus today. But the second challenge is this. Do you know your Redeemer lives? The Bible tells us that when we draw close to God, he will draw close to us. So today... If you are personally today in need of a comeback, after these last 18 months, if you are feeling battered and bruised and lonely and rejected, if you don't know what tomorrow is going to hold, if you don't know what the future will look like for you, use that as your springboard once again to draw close to him. The third thing which Job teaches us this morning is that number one, Job knew he had a redeemer. Number two, Job knew his redeemer lives. And number three, Job knew that his redeemer would come. We read these words in Job chapter 19, verses 25 to 27. I know my redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God's. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. Despite the circumstances of Job's life, he knew that because his redeemer lived, that God would not let him down. His flesh may rot, everything that he had may be taken away from him, but his hope was in the fact that indeed this one, this God would redeem him and vindicate his cause. What Job really expresses in the kind of tiniest glimmer here in Job chapter 19 is what was ultimately to come at the cross of Calvary. In one sentence, Job says so much while effectively knowing so little. Even though at this point he could not possibly comprehend the salvation plan that God had for humanity, he expresses his trust in ultimately the one who will redeem humanity. And there's a challenge there again for us today, isn't there? We are people who live post-Calvary. We have the full canon of scripture at our disposal. We know how the story ends, but yet so often our trust in this God can be so small. For all of us, life will bring upon us its share of adversity and its share of pain. None of us will escape this life pain-free. And if our hope rested in this life alone... What a pretty miserable existence that truly is. But here is the amazing news today. God came to earth in the form of Jesus. 
and he is coming back again. So today, despite your circumstances, despite where you're at right now, despite the fact of the things that you have been through, there is hope. There is hope. And that Job shows us that this morning. At the moment, we're going for a sermon series together, which I've entitled The Comeback. Over the past 18 months, so many of us have faced the unimaginable. We face things that we never thought we would ever in our lives. And it feels like we've been through a time of turmoil. So we're looking at some people in scripture who have faced impossible times for themselves. And yet God has totally and utterly turned their situations around for their good and for his glory. We've seen how God called a man named Jacob who in many respects, was in a time of trouble and transition, and he called him back to the point where it all began to remind him of his, the God's faithfulness towards him. We've looked at a man named Joseph who had incredibly, incredibly tough situations, and we've looked at how God wove them all together in, in order to save a multitude of people. And today, we see a man that despite his despair, despite everything being lost, he teaches us that there is always, always hope. Why? Because you have a redeemer. You have one who, if you allow him, will draw closer to you than a brother. And we have a promise today that one day we will see him face to face. We will be in his presence forever. That's what this signifies today. That's why Jade went through the waters of baptism, declaring her trust in King Jesus. That whatever this life brings, it's not the end of the story. And that we can have hope. Today, do you need to hear the promise of Jesus once more? That he hasn't forgotten you? That he hasn't finished with you? And if so, as the band come up in a moment, I'm going to encourage you once again to draw close to him. One of the band come up. One of the rest of us stand. And we're going to sing that song by Horatio Spafford this morning. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast caused me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And today, church, my encouragement to you is let's use this song this morning as a declaration once again that it is well with our souls. It is well because of Jesus. You can take everything from me, my health, my wealth, everything that I own, but it won't ultimately matter because Jesus Christ is Lord and my life is in his hands. Wherever you're at today, let's use this song once again as a springboard to draw close to King Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you that because of Jesus, there is always hope. Lord, that our life on this earth is not the end of the story. So that means that whatever we go through in this life, we can know that you'll turn it around. 
And this morning, King Jesus, we declare, as Job declares, we know our Redeemer lives. And Lord, there will be a day where we see him face to face. But until that day, Lord, help us to declare once again that it is well with our souls. In Jesus' name, amen.